Civilized Parking is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, sometimes with prices up to 60% off. GameTime is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. There's basketball, there's football, there's concerts, there's everything you want right on GameTime. So download the GameTime app in the Google Play or on the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, and Tom Reed. Hi, everybody. It's Civilized Barking. We have the full compliments here to talk about the fully embarrassing Cleveland Browns. Zach Jackson, Pat McManaman, Jason Lloyd, Tom Reed. Deep in the press box in one of the fancy booths here at Heinz Field where a couple of hours ago uh, the Steelers finished off the 20-13 win. The Browns were absolutely bullies. They dominated the first quarter and a half. It went south. They had no answer. They had no punch. Um, I really thought, guys, the Steelers did a couple of dumb things, maybe more than a couple, in the fourth quarter to leave the door open, but it never felt like the Browns were going to get back. Um, and, you, you know, we know it's over. Like, this, the chances were slim, and it's not a one-day thing. It's not a one-person thing. The offensive line got shoved around. Um, the past game numbers are putrid. And once the Steelers started run blitzing to take away Nick Chubb, it was kind of over. And now uh, it's December 1st, and the season is over. I don't know how else to say it. Well, geez. <laughs> and people think I'm Dr. Death. You're going to be that way. <laughs> I, I don't know how you can argue with anything that you said, though. Uh, you know, hey, at least Freddie didn't wear a Pittsburgh started at shirt to the game. So we got that going. Yeah, but, see, I mean, here's another Sunday where there's always some side story. Um, and one of them is actually a football story because Demarius Randall, some attitude issue, as I was told, is not here. And so here's Duck Hodges throwing jump balls against safeties that don't belong out there. And Duck Hodges, undrafted rookie, is beating the Cleveland Browns. Well, that's like Brandon Allen, a third-string quarterback, undrafted, nobody beating the Browns. So what's really changed in the last two months? <laughs> I mean, let's let's think about this too. You have Duck Hodges, uh, undrafted rookie, beating the number one. And I know it's a team. There's more to it. And but they, he beat the first overall pick in the draft at quarterback. Uh, had better numbers than him across the board. I know Baker Mayfield had the, the hand issue, and he played through it to his credit. But in the fourth quarter, you know the Browns are down at the 14, 16 yard line, and they get a field goal out of it. Then they get an interception there at the 30. It's three three plays and out. They wind up with a pooch punt. And then he's got a chance again, three possessions in the last few minutes. He's got a chance with a minute 45 left. He throws an interception and that end the game. And, you know, interception by Joe Hayden, of all people. Yeah. All right, Tom, you're up. Um, tell us why Freddie Kitchen should be the coach of this team in 2020. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I'll just say this. One of the things you look at is, as, as Pat was, what Pat was basically saying, I think, is in big games you expect your – your best players to come through and Baker Mayfield after a decent start did not, wasn't there at winning time. You look down this roster and God, we've had this conversation a hundred times. It seems like this year, Odell Beckham's line today. And I no question the biggest game of the season. He was only targeted six times, caught three passes for 29 yards. 
Three passes for 29 yards. Just was not a factor in this game at all. Uh, Landry made some plays over the middle. The Browns did not have a play. And coming into this game, we were t- one of the keys, well, obviously, was the Steelers have no offense, right? They can't move the ball. They can't. This One of the things about this quarterback is he can't throw the ball down the field. Uh, but the Browns ended the day with no plays carrying more than 23 yards. They never got behind the Steelers' secondary. They just weren't able to deliver any big plays in this game at all. And uh, they wind up squandering a 10-point lead. So we sit here each week and, and we talk about a game that you all watched, if you're listening to this. Or if you didn't watch it, you listened and you tracked Twitter or stat page or both, whatever. So what we like to do um, is try to take you somewhere, usually to the locker room, but not always, um, that you can't go, that we went. And and Jason, to me, it's super telling, um, speaking of Odell Beckham, by the time I get to the locker room today, his locker's cleaned out. Those $1,000 suits, multi-thousand dollar suits are all gone. And Odell's gone. He is always there talking. Uh, And I think today it says a lot that he had nothing to say. Yeah, I think there's a lot of frustration right now across this team, and, and rightfully so. You know, I I tweeted out that I can't remember the last time that there was a talent gap this wide in this series that favors the Browns, and I stand by that. The, the Browns are far and away the more talented roster right now, and the fact that they couldn't win this game uh, is embarrassing to me on a number of levels. When you look at all the personnel the Steelers were missing and without, from Roethlisberger to James Conner, yeah, their defense is great. I, I don't take anything away from their defense. Their defense is terrific. But with the talent the Browns have on offense, you got to be able to come out of here with more than 13 points. That's just it's just not acceptable, regardless of who's on the defensive side of the ball. This offense hasn't figured it out all year. And, you know, at this point, we have enough. It's, it's no longer just you have to be patient and give it time. We're two-thirds of the way through the, through the season. It is what it is at this point, and it's unacceptable. You know, it's amazing to me, uh, Zach and Tom and everybody, Jason, that uh... – Odell, you know, there's a phrase in the NFL. They call a player who's who's an average player just a guy. And he's out there and he's competing and doing his best, but he's just a guy. Uh, the, the Browns offense has turned Odell Beckham into a guy. And, and it's really shocking. It is. And you think back to the excitement and the, the people running in the streets and celebrations when they acquired him. He's, he's a guy out there. He's not special. He's not running special routes, anything like that. And, and he and Jarvis Landry, I happened to be just standing outside in the, in the hallway when they came out of the locker room. They were one, two of the first guys out, ready to roll, and they were walking to the bus together. And I, I followed Jarvis out and just said, hey, you know, do you, do you mind a minute here? And he just basically said, I'm going to the bus. And then he stopped and said, okay, what do you want to know? And it, but he didn't have much to say. And he was obviously frustrated. Odell had on headphones. I kind of gestured to him to see if he wanted to say anything. And he didn't say anything mean, but he just clearly didn't want to comment. Not much to get into it. Landry said the last interception was his fault. Um, maybe there was some sideline in, intense discussion with the quarterback coach after that, and he kind of shrugged it off, said, you know, basically nothing happened. And his, the summation of his comments were, it is what it is. And it is what it is. The Browns are 5-7. and seven. Incredible disappointment with the talent level on this team. And it's going to take a, a miracle to even think about the playoffs at this point. And to back up uh, Zach's point earlier, I mean, th- these guys obviously have lost six other times six other times this season. And the two receivers we're talking about always wait. They always wait around for the media. They're they're very good about that kind of stuff. So that does uh, to, to to expand on 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 Zach's point. 
That doesn't that doesn't happen with these two guys very often. They're they're very cordial with the press as far as answering questions, whether they win or they lose. So the fact that they're out of the locker room, uh, I do, I do think does does say something more than just it was a tough day at the office. Yeah, you know they came in today wearing the t-shirts, looking for the attention, and, and you know what? That's what these guys do, right? And this goes all the way back to Rashard Higgins, who, who by the way now doesn't play. Uh, posing in July on Instagram wearing a T-shirt that said Cleveland Browns 2020 Super Bowl. And it's like, you know, I try not to be a cranky old man, but get that the hell off my lawn, right? And I think when you see the glee from the Steelers and the Steelers fans today, it's not just about staying alive for the playoffs. These people know they can't win it this year. It's that, okay, we owed the Browns one. We ended what little hope that they had, right? And it's just one thing after another. Um, Diana Rossini, who works for ESPN, who does a really good job, and works uh, like crazy. She tweets this three hours before the game. I just asked the Cleveland coach what it was like on the bus over here. He said, you know what it feels like between Auburn and Alabama, that hate? That's here right now. The Steelers think they are kings of the north. That's changing today. I mean, it's just so embarrassing. The organization just continues to be so embarrassing. And they're in third place, and they're not 500, and they're not going to the playoffs again. The Steelers are laughing at the Browns. Absolutely. Because the Steelers know they're outmanned. They know that this isn't the type of roster that they normally have at this point in the season. And the Browns still can't beat them. Their coach wears – you know, I joked about earlier, the coach wears a Pittsburgh started a T-shirt. The Steelers players were laughing at him after the game, saying, why would you – Ramon Foster, why would you throw gas on the fire like that? You're only putting your players in harm's way. He's not out there on the field. They are. And down and on and on down the line of guys just thinking it's that their coach is a punchline. And Freddie obviously thought he did something wrong because he tried to zip the jacket for the picture. But you can't trust this man to zip his jacket high enough <laughs> to tie to cover his T-shirt. But you're going to trust him to run an NFL franchise. Why would he okay. wear a T-shirt out of the house? Can you answer me that? Uh, no, no, I have kids. I understand your kids doing it as a joke. I get that. I understand your kids want you to wear it. Put something over top of it. Or you wear this it isn't just hard. in the house. Just, this is once you get out of the garage. I told Pat, you can't even wear that shirt to do yard work if you're no, Freddie no, Kitchens. No, Everyone's you, got a camera. Everyone. Yeah, but, but, but again, he can't zip the jacket high enough to cover the shirt, but you're going to trust him to run your team on Sundays. Okay. He basically wears a hoodie to every interview he has, and he couldn't find the hoodie when he wore the T-shirt. That could have been a fun thing with his daughters, you know? <laughs> Wear the T-shirt underneath the hoodie, they would have had the joke. It would have been enjoyable. Yep. Nobody would have known a thing about it. You had the Steelers' culture and commitment. And, you know, while you were talking about Freddie wearing that T-shirt, you go back to Mike Tomlin saying, we don't hide from these games. We run to them. We don't go away from them. We run toward them. Now, you know, corny, maybe it doesn't work. But in this case, I think it definitely set a tone for his team that they that he didn't want any nonsense. He wanted them to concentrate on what they could do to win, and that's exactly what they did. They showed culture and commitment, and that's present with that team, and it's not present in Cleveland. This was the perfect opportunity for the Browns to oh. punch the bully, to finally show, okay, we beat you twice. You've owned us for 20 years, but this is different now. Times are changing. This was their perfect opportunity to do it, and the Steelers leave here laughing at them. And they blew a 10-point lead. <laughs> and they blew I mean, a 10-point lead. They, had, they, not, they not only had the came into the game with, with as you perfectly mentioned, the, the better, certainly the better roster, the skill positions, but they they got the start that they wanted. They got the they got the double-digit lead against a team that in the last three weeks hadn't scored more than 16 points. So really you're thinking if you can get like one more touchdown, 
It's you, over. You, yeah, you you might have might have the game won, but to go back to what Pat mentioned about the Steelers and this organization, they just find ways, and they just they just stayed with it. They didn't panic, and they waited for the Browns to start making mistakes. And what they really did, I thought, as the game wore on, is what they didn't do in the first game. They got to the quarterback, and once they got to him early, they hammered him just like they hammered him here last year. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually people just brush it off or blame themselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or people avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Barking to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Barking for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Barking. So we have sponsors for this podcast, but we could add another. This week's Freddy Fireable Moment. (laughs) It has nothing to do with the t-shirt. It's late in the first half. Um, The Browns aren't sure whether they really want to go for it, but Kareem Hunt scoots through. I think it's a 16-yard run. It's a nice run. It gives them some daylight. They used one of their timeouts. They had two left. Wait a minute. You said the Browns aren't sure they want to go for it. When has Freddie ever well, not gone for it? Well, hear me out here because after the next play, there's they don't immediately call their last timeout. And there's some confusion like, what do we want to do here? And Baker actually called the timeout. I, I watched him do it. So they throw deep twice. And on the second, uh, Baker uncorks this throw 70 yards in the air. But what, what, what I didn't see in fast motion was Bud Dupree – Hits his arm. Baker's hand hits squarely on Bud's face mask, and immediately we're thinking the worst, right? Uh, Baker runs off. He's clearly in pain. He he takes himself out. So the situation is there are seven seconds left in the half. You're on your own 36-yard line. You have no timeouts. And you have Garrett freaking Gilbert in the game, and Freddie calls a pass after he's just watched his last quarterback get hurt. There's two things that can happen by calling the pass there. The Steelers can intercept it and run it back, and the game's over, or your backup quarterback can get hurt while your franchise is sprinting to the locker room. Right. You have no idea if his hand is I, He should be fine. Honestly, like, that, it takes me back to a Pat Shermer moment late in the first half of a game in Baltimore when they didn't get in. Um, and, you know, we know it would be only one of two years. But I, I just see that, and I think Shermer should have been fired on the spot. He had no business doing this. And each Sunday, I think more and more that that's the case with Freddie Kitchens. Well, back it up to the plays that when Baker was in. They're 64, 64 yards from the end zone with no timeouts and 21 seconds left. Like, when they were backed up at their own end, we said, just just sit on it. Just sit on it. Only bad things can happen here. Just sit on it. And they got it out a little bit, and they got out. But still, they had 64 yards to go with no timeouts left and 21 seconds. That's the time to say, you know what? We tried. Let's go to the locker room. And instead, they subjected their franchise quarterback to injury. And Baker said he's going to be fine for next week. But his hand left today in quite a big wrap. Quite a big band, ace bandage on it. And he had to play the second half in a glove, and he couldn't recall ever having to play the second half of a game before any game with a glove on his hand. And he was not sure. I mean, obviously, they had three points the rest of the way, uh, but they just that, that they had one drive the rest of the game. They had one decent drive the rest of the game. He left here looking like a guy who had been tailgating since about Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, this is, I mean, that happens. I mean, that happens in this building a lot to Browns quarterbacks. And it's happened to him two years in a row. What did his hat say? He got out of a hat. Miracle. Miracle. 
I, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah it's I a, think it's, he was saying it's a miracle he's alive. Because <laughs> Dupree almost changed that a couple of times. Yeah, and it's, I mean, this is far from... It takes me back to the Denver locker room where on one side Jermaine Whitehead in full uniform is tweeting death threats and on the other Jarvis is doing an interview with 17 reporters wearing a hat that says, I'm glad you doubted us as the Browns had just slipped to two and six. And that's the day Baker looked like a hostage victim yes. standing at the, at the yes. podium. Yeah, they, they, I mean. Baker, if you're listening, just knock three times. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had, I'll tell you what, he'd better, he had better knock three times on his general manager's door and say, get me some offensive linemen, offensive tackles next year. Because if this guy is your guy or whatever guy that's going to be their guy, you can't, you can't, you have to protect him. And TJ Watt and Bud Dupree aren't going anywhere. They're just in their primes right now. So you're going to have to deal with these guys and the Ravens for years to come. And you're just not going to get it with – they need three – I think three offensive linemen on this team. But Dupree in a contract year playing like it. Demarius Randall can't come on the trip. <laughs> also in a contract year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quite the week. You had a starting defensive tackle get released. The guy who started a week ago get released. You had Demarius Randall didn't make the trip because of whatever reason. Denzel yeah, Ward had a, Denzel Ward had a tough game today too. Speaking of and Greedy Williams, just awful. Yep. Yeah. You got the T-shirt incident. I mean, do we call it? You have the T-shirt. Excuse me. I don't, and you have incident. and you have the guy that you cut three years ago, Joe Hayden, right. showing up the team on a day their their secondary was just so bad. <laughs> it's Heinz Field. <laughs> Terrible things happen to the Cleveland Browns in Heinz Field. Oh my. Um. So it's December 1st, so that means it's right on the Browns calendar. It's time to talk about next year. <laughs> this is your phrase, right? Have you, have you trademarked? It's-, it's perpetually December in Berea Town. Yes, yeah. I should trademark it. I should have. Um, yeah. Um, let's, just, let's just ask. Let's just survey. Is Freddie Kitchens going to be the coach of this team next year? He better not be. He shouldn't be. And, you know, I had a conversation with somebody today. It's hard to say – in a year when you beat the Steelers, when you beat the Ravens, when you're, you know, you have a chance to finish 500 or above, to to say that he's got to go. But every week, almost every week, something happens that makes you stand up and say, "That is not supposed to happen with an NFL franchise." We've had it yet again. I'm all for first-year coaches having to learn on the job. It's going to happen. There's going to be growing pains. But when you're starting from less than zero with your coach. I've said it before on this podcast. I'll continue to say it. He's been in the league how long? 13 years. And 31 other teams never thought to promote him above offensive coordinator. There's a reason why. And we are seeing it week after week after week. I like Freddie personally. I think he's a fun guy to be around. He is not equipped to be an NFL HUD coach. Tom? I don't think he'll be back next year. No, I don't. I, don't. I think they will, they will go a different direction. It'll be interesting to see if, if part of it, too, uh, Lincoln Riley, but I, I'm starting to wonder if this team needs an older coach that can bring yep. some discipline to yep. this team. That's that's part of the thing I look at beyond just the play calling and being able to do this. This it has just seems systemic all season from one thing to another. Just the lack of discipline in different it, it's propped up in different ways in penalties in some of the actions and again going back to the coach coach wearing a t-shirt. Uh, Pittsburgh started it. It's, it's just all part of that same umbrella. And you wonder if you just need a, a, a guy that comes in here, a little bit older, that's been around the league, that's been a head coach, 
that 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 knows how to get get a team together and 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 not have so much silliness. Well, yeah, and I would have to agree. I, I don't think he'll be back next year. I think it's just not trending well. And I think when he spends a whole week trying to tamp down what the, the fallout from the fight and the brawl and Miles Garrett's suspension, and then he wears that T-shirt, and every one of us in this room understands family relationships and closeness with your kids and, and appreciating jokes that they give you. We get no, nobody doesn't get that. We all get that. But if he's got to be the disciplined guy for his team and set a standard, and he's not meeting that standard. The team's just going to tune him out. It's just not going to work. And, and and Tom's point is 100% correct. From the get-go, from game one, there have been penalties. There's been a lack of discipline. you got a starting safety now who didn't make the trip. It's just been a constant uh, stream of chaos, both on the field and on the sidelines. Yeah. Other than that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this. I know that both Freddie and Odell won't be back. You know, I mean, it's just you're saying you're, just to be clear, one, one, if at one's least one. back, the other one's not. Back. Well, yeah, at, at least right. one. Okay, right. and, and I'm not trying to say that I know that Odell was ready to blow up on Freddie today. And that's why he didn't talk. I'm just saying. Right. Just to be clear, though. Yeah, it's yeah. really clear that the Browns are paying a lot of money to this guy and supposed to be the missing link in the offense. And he's just the guy, as Pat pointed out. And yeah. and there are several missing links uh, in, in the offense. And, you know, when you do change coaches. There's always a price to pay in terms of scheme, in terms of players. We saw Jannard Avery get lost, um, you know, because of that. And you just the total change of everything. So we'll see. But I, I agree with you guys. He has made no case to come back. How do you think and – I, and I don't I don't know this. I'm genuinely asking. How do you think Baker would receive Freddie going when obviously their relationship played a part in him getting the job? Do you think – Baker has seen enough to say, okay, this isn't working, or do you think Freddie Baker would be upset if Freddie was released? Well, I think probably that answer is both. Um, I'm going to hope one of you guys can jump in. I mean, <laughs> I, I put it this way. I don't think we've gotten a straight answer from Baker on much of anything. I think he's been frustrated yep. and he's been disappointed, and then you add that to the tremendous chip he brings on his shoulder and acts like it's such an inconvenience to be the face of a franchise each and every week for 15 minutes. And gives us these short answers that I don't, I, I can't give an answer from from what I see in here. I think if Baker Bayfield played any role directly or indirectly, whether concretely via something he said or in the Browns' thought process, if he played any role in, in this coach being hired, then it's a flawed process. You can't do that. You got to hire the best coach. And the, the interesting thing to me to go forward here is, you always go the opposite in the NFL. You always see it. If you got a disciplinarian, yeah. you wind up with a players' coach. Yeah. Player friendly guy. Well, here you got a players friendly guy. The next one's going to be the exact opposite. You're right. going to have a, a hard ass disciplinarian. So, how are these guys going to react to that? How's that going to go over? Maybe you just let um, Deep Podesta bring the spreadsheet and handle Sundays, and you just hire a group of therapists for the rest of the way. You want, yeah, is that for the fans or for the. Well, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> poor fans. Poor fans. Yeah. What do you say? You know what I love? Somehow I'm getting killed for the for the for the Browns like this. Like, why are you mad Welcome. at us? You Welcome. Deserve, you deserve it. You should be killed. Give it all to Jason. This team can't put its shoes on the right feet for the last 20 years, and people want to take it out on the writers. I don't understand that. Welcome. <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> I want to ask one quick thought. Okay. The, the two receivers not 
hanging around. I mean, I think we all understand the emotion there, that their frustration it has yeah. to be just bubbling over but and enormous. They've you know? done this before. Let's not act like this is the first time. Jarvis has ran out before without talking. One time. It was a home game. And I feel like Odell's done this as well, but I could be mistaken on that. I, don't I think remember. generally this year Odell's been great with the media. I, oh, I do too. Yes. I have no that, complaints. That's what I'm saying. That's why it stood out. Yeah, I have no complaints with how they've behaved with the media, but I, I don't think this is the first time this has happened. Sure. And, and listen, and sometimes is you do not want to throw your head coach or your quarterback or your best friend or all the above under the bus. Yep. Or anyone yep. else. Yep. Right? right? Yeah. But I'll say this. In the Steelers' lowest moment a few weeks ago, in that locker room, David DeCastro stood up and talked, and Alejandro Villanueva stood up and talked, and Cam Hayward stood up and talked. Well, I, well, culture. Don't don't let's not forget this team is seven and five right now. They were zero and three and were th- lost their starting quarterback, and now they're seven and five. And and while you're mentioning, let's take a moment. Larry Ogunjobi today in the locker room did say, you know, we haven't heard from Larry since the since the brouhaha because he was suspended. Today was the first, to my knowledge, unless you guys saw him earlier, today was the first day he was available to the media. And Larry did say that he w- that Miles told him after the first game, for whatever it's worth, that he did, Miles did tell him about the racial slur and he heard the racial slur. And I asked Larry why that was and he said, or why did he wait so long? And Larry said he was waiting for the appeal process. And Larry said, you know, you got to understand, we've never been through this before. None of us, this is our third year in the league. We didn't know what to expect or how to do this. And he said, Miles is very hurt that people think he's lying about it. And that's not who he is. And he would never make that up. So for whatever that's worth, I posted a story on it, felt it was worth addressing here. I know it's not the the headline anymore, but this was the first time we heard from Larry. This was the first time he was available. That's Miles' best friend on the team. And I think it's and, worth at least addressing. And it's the first time really once somebody has actually said that, yes. correct? And yes. For, you know, everyone else has said they hadn't heard that. Right. Yeah, so this is the state of the Browns. Um, again, it is December 1st. They have four games left. Two of them are against the Bengals, one on the road in Arizona, and then in week 16, um, the, Ravens. the Ravens. And we don't know if the Ravens will be playing for home field advantage in that game. Uh, it could be flexed to 425. We will see. Um, we know that mathematically, by the time this all shakes out on Monday morning, the Browns are going to be alive, but we know they're not going to the playoffs. Um, in a year, in the first year that they beat the Ravens and the Steelers, they had a chance to sweep for the first time since 1988. They had a chance to really get the good vibes going, and they just went flat. I was really impressed with the, with the way they played the first quarter. And those were dominating big boy drives. They were moving people. I thought Baker was handling himself well. He took a couple of big shots and got right back up. Right, delivered the ball on time. What changed? How many times what have we? Changed? But how many times have we said this? How many times have we said, wow, the Browns really started well, and then it fizzled out or it petered out? This has happened. It happened first game of the season. It happened Seattle. Well, Jason, what are the trends? The offense sputters. The defense is inconsistent. Yep. And the outside stuff is always at the forefront. Yeah. Every single week, those are the trends. 12 weeks, you've seen it, right? This is a season in any other level of football. 12 weeks. I've aged 12 years since July 25th. But they won that they won that training camp practice. In Indianapolis. They won it. I mean, I'm telling you, of all the ones I've seen. Let's take it from something else Ramon Foster said about the t shirt. And let the t shirt is a symbol more than a, a huge issue, right? But you know, Ramon Foster says, Thank thank goodness our coach would never do something yeah, like that. Right. Bill Belichick, would you think he'd ever be caught dead doing something? Yeah. I mean, you just don't 
Yeah. It's just more chaos. You can go beyond Belichick. I can't think of another coach in the league that would be caught dead wearing It's just shirt. one of many things. It, it's the kind of stuff that doesn't happen anywhere else. Right? Yeah. So you can say, I want Baker to be different. I want Freddie to be different. I want – and football is supposed to be fun. But this is the kind of crap that just does not go on anywhere else. Well, especially especially with coaches. Especially with players. Coaches. I mean, it's, it's one thing if the players do it. Uh, it is still, as, as you always mentioned, Zach, and it's always a great point, it's entertainment. It is entertainment, uh, but you just don't expect a head coach. That's this like, Pat, like what maybe I could think of like Jerry Glanville back in the day may have done something like this or, or one of those type of coaches, but, but, but the majority would never even think of leaving the house with that T-shirt. I want Rex Ryan to be the coach. Let's just go full, full <laughs> on. You have him. You have him. You have a you have a worse version of right. Rex no, Ryan. You're right. You're right. Uh, okay, so um, we're gonna all go home sometime, and uh, the Browns will have their standard work week Sunday at one at home against the Bengals team that got its first win. So we'll definitely be playing nothing to lose. Um, there will be a hangover involved with the Browns. We will see what happens with Demarius Randall. Uh, Baker claimed he was great. It was a big wrap on his hand, but of course you would you would wrap it up, ice it up, and protect it. Sure. So, you know, we will see. There'll be an official injury report on Wednesday, and we'll see where that goes. In the meantime, I don't know, you know, what else there is to say. We do appreciate you guys listening and reading. We try to get it out there. Um, we try to be fair, and we try to convince ourselves that that every season is not the same. But we lie. <laughs> <laughs> we lie to you. We lie to ourselves. <laughs> I was just doing a national podcast before this, and I was like trying to walk that line of, of local perspective versus the. And I was like, you know, this is just what happens. It's December first, so it's time to have a discussion about whether the coach is going to be better next year. <laughs> it is Pittsburgh. This is the time to fire him, right? Think about it. This I, is year twenty-one. Yeah. So the Steelers have had three coaches in my lifetime. The Browns have fired six coaches in the new era after they played Pittsburgh. I don't think this would be seven. I don't expect. I think if you're going to fire Freddie, would have happened. Already. I don't expect it to be seven. He'll get the season at this point, but boy. But boy, did he leave the door open. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. Hey, this has been Civilized Barking. Talk to you later this week.